Most people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. Greetings from the coach's office in Charlotte, North Carolina, and welcome to another edition of Insights on Intentionality with Coach K. On this podcast, we conduct interviews, answer questions from our listening audience, and provide insights on the intentional way. On this particular episode, we're featuring Clark Osborne from the great state of Nebraska. Clark, welcome to the podcast. Coach, it's great to be with you today. What's the weather like in the uh, Cornhusker State today? Well, we uh, we got about six inches of snow a little over a week ago, and and it's been uh, been hard to get above freezing. So we're enjoying the Christmas season with uh, with the white white Christmas this year. It looks like some uh, Bing Crosby records are probably being uh, played <laughs> around the area, making it more official. It's... Actually, Charlotte, which normally gets a couple inches, maybe in January, February, a little a little dusting once a year is about the extent of our weather patterns as far as snow. We got four inches this weekend. And wow. very, very rarely before Christmas will we ever experience something like that. So it's been a yeah. white Christmas weekend for us as well. Well, let's transition out of the color white and think about go big red. Uh, you yeah. and I have uh, commonalities on a lot of things we'll talk about in this podcast today, focusing on men's discipleship. But, you know, God's wired us all to enjoy hobbies and interests, and we both enjoy college football. You hail from the Cornhusker State. You've taken me to see Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. And so uh, your Huskers have a brand-new coach, uh, a former Cornhusker player. Uh, struggled there early in the season, but kind of made a strong run there towards the end. And now he's building that depth chart to become even more competitive in that Big Ten West. So what's the morale level like out there in the Lincoln area? Well, it's still, um, still very high. Uh, we just – uh, just the whole dynamic from the spring game I was able to attend uh, this year on through the season, everybody was still optimistic that we were on the right track and, and the culture had shifted um, in the direction that we needed it to. And so um, everybody that I've you know talked to is pretty confident and positive um, that we're going to be a competitor in the Big Ten. And, and uh, I personally believe we got a real shot at winning the Big Ten West next year and, and – um, it looks like our recruiting is going well, so everything's pretty pretty optimistic at this point. So the Cornhuskers play in Lincoln. Uh, you live in Omaha, but you went to high school yes. in Grand Island. I believe that Tom Rathman, who played for the uh, San Francisco 49ers on a couple <laughs> Super Bowl teams, uh, he was part of your high school class? He was a year older, but, uh, yeah, he, um, he was a dominant force back in high school as well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we had a – um, we, our year, uh, we went to state, lost in the first round, but, uh, Tom obviously went on to Nebraska and some would say is probably the back in that era, the best fullback, uh, to come out of any college to play in the NFL. So, um, he's kind of, yeah, he's Grand Island. Uh, he's, he's a big deal back in Grand Island for sure. Well, he was certainly, uh, fundamentally sound under coach Osborne and, I will remember on the uh, tour in 2013 to Memorial Stadium outside was the famous statue yeah. of the uh, great uh, Husker coach, and that was one of his uh, famous quotes. Uh, tell us about growing up in Nebraska. Obviously, you know, the, the loyalties uh, towards uh, the Big Red. Uh, I'm sure started out young in your life, but uh, give us a little history about your, uh, your fan uh, interest in, in the Cornhuskers. Yeah, well, it was – 
I was born in 64, so uh, Bob Devaney, who was the coach prior to Tom Osborne, had kind of built, you know, a fairly solid foundation and, of course, won the national championships in, I believe, 70, 71. And uh, so I was, you know, as early as I can remember, you know, we'd be gathered around the TV in the living room watching the Orange Bowl, you know, and and, uh, and so it just kind of, you know, it was a big deal. And uh, we don't... Our population for the entire state's only a million and a half people, and uh, we don't have a pro team. And and um, our basketball team has been, you know, off and on over the years. So one consistent thing we had was was everybody could could rally around the uh, the Cornhusker football team, and uh, you know it's it's a big deal. So some and some would say too big of a deal. <laughs> But between uh, Coach Devaney and Coach Osborne, I believe you won five national championships. Uh, yes, that's right. Yep. When uh, Nebraska came through the ACC and played Wake Forest about ten years ago, I had a chance to go to Winston Salem with one of your high school classmates uh, and experience that game together. And I well remember the uh, uh, large eighteen uh, wheeler, and it had those five uh, national championship uh, trophies uh, proudly. Uh, on the side of that uh, roving uh, media uh, highlights of what the, uh, obviously, uh, football legacy might be. Uh, there was a little team from South Carolina on January the 1st, 1982, that kept a, another championship <laughs> program coming to Lincoln. But we'll talk about that yeah. for another day. And, yeah, don't bring uh, that up. Appreciate the Clemson Tigers, uh, you know, pulling off the big upset there in that particular season to keep their uh, 12-0 record intact. And uh, we need to have a couple things to happen. You know, back in that era of the polls, you just couldn't win it on the field. You had to right. also hope for others to help you. And Tony Dorsett in Pittsburgh uh, pulled off a big upset in the Sugar Bowl over Herschel Walker's team from Georgia. And uh, mm-hmm. the Rose Bowl also sprung an upset. We were ranked number four going into the game. And so all the sports writers and coaches felt like that our 22-15 to 15 win was impressive enough that they gave us, Dabo Swinney would say, little old Clemson. Uh, the national championship. Then, of course, he would go back in 2016 with Deshaun Watson and uh, uh, be able to accomplish uh, that as well. So we've only had two national championships. Looking to play for another one this year as we taped this podcast. This is in the month of December. The the final four has been set. So uh, what do your brackets look like? What are, what are you thinking going into these uh, two semifinal games? Well, I like, um, I like Clemson. I just um... – think that Dabble knows how to coach them up and uh, I think they've got a real shot um, I don't know if two is going to be healed up completely by then um, you know when Alabama takes on the Sooners but uh, it's it's a, I like the matchups but I think Clemson can get it done again I, I'm rooting for them for sure well growing up as a young boy I uh, started out as a baseball fan uh, loving Hank Aaron and listening to the baseball games on the radio and so there were just uh a few of the ACC teams that would really make much noise on a national level. So I kind of adopted a couple of teams, and Nebraska was one of those. I saw the famous mm-hmm. game in 1971 called the Game of the Century. Johnny mm-hmm. Rogers, uh, the famous punt returner, uh, scores a, a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and you guys knocked off the Sooners back then. And so the style of offense that the Sooners played then, the wishbone, looks quite different yeah. than this pro spread of today, and especially on the defensive side. No Brian Bosworth out there. I'm just thinking, wow. This Big 12 is turning to a shooting gallery. Yeah, they're fun to watch, but there's not much defense, that's for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of defense, let's transition over into ministry to men. 
that's something that you and I have a, a common ground on. We had a chance to cross paths uh, through a referral from one of your high school buddies, uh, Chris Roberts, that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. That we went to the Wake Forest game and uh, really enjoyed our time together in Orlando. We would cross paths with our friends at Man in the Mirror. And uh, but both of us kind of got started really with uh, ministry to men through the Promise Keepers era. So let's kind of do a rewind and take people back to the 1990s. Some of the new leaders that may be listening to this podcast, they've heard about the uh, resurrection of Promise Keepers with the night, uh, rather the uh, 2020 conference is out there on the horizon, maybe about 18 months away from now. But mm-hmm. back in the 90s when PK started out, wow, those of us that you know love the athletics. Uh, uh, arena. We, we love the outdoors. You know, a football coach from Colorado, uh, another Big 8 uh, conference foe, he began to put men in stadiums and some great things began to happen. So so talk about your experience with PK back in the 90s. Yeah, so I was um, going to, a, I guess, a smaller church at the time, you know, a couple hundred folks. And uh, the pastor invited some of us men to get together and meet for a Bible study. Um, over the noon hours and um, a neighbor, a, a gentleman who had uh, gone to one of the promise keepers conference, who lived in the neighborhood, just stopped by our church and talked to our pastor and, and asked if he had heard about promise keepers and if, uh, if he would uh, be willing to, to take some guys and go. And that was 1994. So about six of us went with our pastor out to Boulder. And that was the first year where I think they expanded to uh, four or six possible uh, stadium events. And, um, so I was 30 years old at the time and I was married with three, you know, young, young children, my daughter and two sons. And, and it was just really impactful in my life at the time I had kind of been, been struggling, um, as a man, you know, and as a husband, as a father. And I just heard that message of what, you know, what it, what it, what it looks like, you know, and, and uh, really was just called to a higher standard and just challenged as a man. And um, just really, um, really just got on fire, you know, just to come back. And, you know, I just remember thinking to myself, I can't be the only only husband and father and man who is struggling. And, and there's got to be other guys that are in similar situation. I want to come back to my community and, and, and get involved in some way. And uh, they had a meeting for at that at that time they had a meeting for men that were interested in becoming, I believe they called them point men or key men and ambassadors um, for the communities. And I went to that and came back and found out there was a local group that had already uh, been established and just kind of got plugged in and as a volunteer and um, did that for about five years from about 94 to 99 and was the volunteer uh, coordinator for the first promise keepers conference in Omaha in 1998. Um, every year Promise Keepers had a theme and that year the uh, the theme was open the gates in 98 and uh, so they um, it was this was a particular an arena here in Omaha uh, about a 10,000 seat arena that we filled up and uh, got filled up I should say and uh, uh, it was a, just an incredible experience to be a part of both good and bad but uh, um, yeah it was it, it was a you know, my wife got involved and had some neat experiences through that, that time in, in 1998. And uh, just really, you know, God uses, um, you know, <laughs> the most unlikely people at times 
to do some incredible things. And, uh, you know, through Coach Mack and Dave Wardell and some of the others that Dan Erickson early on and some of the others that uh, were involved in that, um, uh, was just an incredible move of the Holy Spirit, um, culminating, which, you know, you and I have both talked about as well in 1997 at Stand in the Gap in Washington, D.C., and, um, just really had an incredible personal uh, experience in the midst of a, a million two or whatever the number was, final number was around that number. God just ministered to me personally and um, several occasions and just felt his presence and um, just a real meaningful experience there as well. Um, that I've, I've heard uh, someone say that, uh, you know, God, God used, um, promise keepers as this oak tree that just uh full of you know full of fruit acorns that just were planted and and some of those seeds sprouted in different times some of are still lying dormant but uh um you know god has used many many men and many of the regional ministries and men that that are involved in men's discipleship today um were impacted by promise keepers uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s you know, a friend of mine in Winter Haven, Florida, where I was living at the time, had invited me to go to Boulder, Colorado. And uh, one of my regrets in life was not to go to one of those original meetings uh, there at the uh, at the Colorado Buff Stadium. And then uh, when they started going national, as you mentioned previously, in 1995 was my first conference in the St. Petersburg area. Uh, the Thunderdome was, was called back then, where the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays uh, play Major League Baseball even today. And... Uh, 50,000 guys joined, and just what a fantastic experience. And so our friends at Man in the Mirror uh, say frequently, give a man what he needs in the context of what he wants. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not just for uh, how we're going to reach and disciple them, but I would say venue is crucial. And so to go to an athletic arena, uh, again, there were football stadiums initially, then some basketball arenas, like you mentioned, in Omaha. Mm -hmm. uh, those were just unique environments where guys felt very, very comfortable. I remember guys going to the concession stands and bringing popcorns and Cokes in to listen to, you know, some of the classic speakers like Tony Evans and, and Joe White and others. Just, uh, yeah. It was like, wow, this is just uh, – the, the man code was all over. So right. really God raised up promise keepers for, for such a time as this. And yes. I really believe that – you know, a lot of us were sitting in those uh, stadiums and or arenas, and we were looking for a game plan to put mm -hmm. into place for those next 51 weeks of the year. And while that was being championed at the PK platform level, it didn't always uh, get back to the regional level. And that's a second uh, connection point for you and I. Uh, you were intentional to be involved with uh, Promise Keepers. Uh, a friend of mine was intentional to invite me to go to Boulder, but that planted the seed mm -hmm. for me to then later on go to Tampa in 95. But both of us began to think about, hey, we've got to ratchet up the intentionality uh, when we take these guys back who are in our vans or in our buses uh, at these gatherings. We've got to move beyond the event and to capture the vision. And so you had a regional uh, interest. You talked about hosting uh, several conferences in Omaha. But, but talk about that regional aspect and how crucial that is even to today obviously we'll talk later on about your current ministry post but back in the 90s as you were watching this movement of god in the lives of men mm -hmm. uh, what was god revealing to you about sustainability and that whole regional focus well back back in the um early mid 90s there were a couple resources out there 
um, measure of a man and Howard Hendricks had done some, uh, some area, some area, uh, written some material for men and, and back in that time frame. but it was, uh, there wasn't a lot there. So promise keepers would, would encourage, you know, us as men to get into small groups, then, uh, the key man and ambassador training that they developed again, were to help the local church understand why it's, um, to disciple men and specifically and, and kind of take a different approach than they, than, than they had been taking and getting men into, um, you know, small groups where they could, uh, connect relationally and, uh, really get into life, do life on life together. And that was a challenge. Um, initially for me personally, I led a couple small groups in my own church and, and man, it was just, um, a lot of stuff, you know, that men deal with, started coming to the surface and i think a lot of pastors and a lot of churches uh weren't prepared uh for that and um you know so it was just on a regional level being an ambassador and going to and offering trainings for churches and and men's leaders to come to uh to talk about those issues was really an eye-opening uh for me um as well as as the churches we were trying to reach in the uh in the region i remember one of our earliest conversations we were having a chance to you know, uh, build a unique bond that exists until today. But back in those uh, early discussions of 2013, you were kind of walking me through these uh, journey groups, I believe, that were called that you were part of. But you you made a memorable quote that I have in my notes where you said, you know, when guys would get together, you'd basically open up the manhole cover, you know. And right. There was, there was a lot of stuff in every man's life that yeah. he had to, uh, you know, be accountable to, for and, and long to uh, – not to see behavioral modification, but for God to transform our hearts and to move forward as a husband, as a man, as a father, all these particular aspects. Uh, talk about that manhole cover concept and yeah. what you saw when guys began to really get real with each other in those journey groups. Well, it's interesting. You you know, the, you've, you've, I know you're familiar with um, Robert Lewis and uh, men's fraternity and, and the ministry that... Uh, it's been so impactful in, in men's lives over the last, uh, gosh, probably 25 years now. Um, I remember going back, th- going through the classic version, uh, session one of, of men's fraternity. And that's one of the analogies that Robert Lewis used is uh, that I really, um, really connected with. You know, I think it's a great visual for men, you know. Um, and one of the things they talk about is you got you to open up that manhole cover and look at what's down there and, and basically look at the past, you know, where you've been and uh, unpack that, that, that suitcase and take a look at it. You don't stay there, but it's important to look at it because in order for us to move forward as men, we need to understand how the past, some of our experiences, um, kind of the way God wired us and, and even our upbringing and our relationship with our own father and mother, how that's impacted us as men. And most men aren't even aware of um, the significance of doing that. And so, um, in fact, right now, we're going through men's fraternity. I'm going back through that same course again uh, with about uh, 120 men at the church I'm attending now on Thursday mornings at 6.30 and, uh, or 6 o'clock, actually. And um, it's just, you know, I'm in a different season and place in life than I was as a uh, 
and so you just you hear things differently or you you maybe you're dealing with something or something's happened in your life and so um sometimes as men we have that kind of been there done that mentality and and uh, i've done that i don't need to do that again but i can just you know want to encourage anyone that's listening is is to maybe take another so it's been a while since you've plugged into a um as a men's small group or a DVD series dealing with issues that, uh, that all men, uh, deal with, um, whether it's men's fraternity or there's a ton of great resources out there. Uh, but it really helps us as men to kind of understand, um, who God created us to be, why we need to, again, look at the past, but only, only so we can move forward into the future and be the men that God created us to be and kind of has called us to be as, as men, husbands and, and fathers and grandfathers. So, um, it's just been um, been been powerful to see men experience that, and then because of our story, each man has a unique story uh, to be able to share those and to let men kind of you know maybe share things and talk about uh, their story in a way that they've not been able given that opportunity to even talk about or think that anybody would even care um, to get get them in a safe you know place where they know. It's confidential, you know, what's said here stays here, and they can open up and really talk about some of the things that you think as men, we think as men are unique to us, but then once we get into those relationships, as a small group, one-on-one type relationships, we understand that that uh, other men are experiencing similar things, and, um, you know, to really look at, you know, why those, that is, so that, again, we can, we can move forward and be, um, again, be the man that God has called us to be. You know, that's a great quality that you represent. I would tell guys when I was a men's pastor in local church settings, um, a friend of mine reminds me, by the way, hey, you're still a men's pastor. You're just coaching a bunch of us in the parachurch arena and, <laughs> and guys throughout the kingdom. So I'll gladly uh, keep that keep that title. But back in the local church context, specifically to men, I would talk about two essential qualities in a man's life is found in Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, verse 5 says, teach a wise man, and he will increase in learning. That's a humble mm-hmm. spirit and a teachable spirit. It's kind of like Coach Osborne. The reason Rathman was such a great fullback, he was so fundamentally sound. Hey, there were some reps that had to occur at practice. He just didn't have a, a freshman season and say, okay, uh, Coach Osborne, you know, my skill set's fully developed. I'm just good to go. You plug me right. in, you can be the All-American. There's the kind of guy he brought his lunch pail to work every day. And continue to you know refine his craft, and so you've always reflected that humble spirit and the teachable spirit. So to go back through uh, authentic manhood at this stage of your life, I just think that reflects that mindset. But you know, as I've observed you and, and gotten to know you, I've heard you uh, speak uh, occasionally that while you dove into the PK movement, were greatly impacted by standing the gap in '97. You're helping launch and, and host some regional events uh, there in Omaha. You know, we all have a danger of drifting away from God. Yeah. And and you went through a valley moment. We, we ask our guests on the podcast occasionally to talk about a time in their life where they may have been unfaithful to God, but God was faithful to them and brought them back. And so, as mm-hmm. we say often, the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Let's, let's talk about that. Maybe there's a leader listening today. He's kind of drifted away. He may have felt like, you know, just kind of worn out. Guys aren't responding well to me, or he got into some things that, you know, broke some cycles or whatever, didn't have that small group, didn't reflect that teachable spirit. Yeah. Give us a brief overview of what it was, what it was like to, to drift away but then come back to God as a leader. Yeah, so um, 
it kind of came to a crossroads in the after that Promise Keepers Conference in 1998. Um, you know, again, as a, I look back as if I would have been 34 at the time, I, I probably didn't have the spiritual maturity to process some of the things that happened um, during that time of, of ministry. And again, as a volunteer, uh, a young, you know, been married about 10 years, 12 years, trying to, you know, provide for my family and yet feeling the a strong call to minister to men, but I really hadn't figured out how to minister to my wife and family. I wasn't living out, you know, what I was trying to, to do as a, as a man through the Promise Keepers ministry at home, um, because I just, again, didn't really have that foundational level um, and experience in, in my upbringing and my history. So it was a, it was a challenge, you know, and my, my wife, you know, wanted me to be that man at home that I was telling or encouraging other men to be, but I was struggling with that. And so there was a combination of, of on the home front thing, you know, a struggle with marriage and family. And then in the workplace, being able to provide, I had attended a, a Bible college at the same time and was kind of heading down a ministry track and then just had a kind of came to a crossroads where there was an opportunity in the corporate world um, that was, you know, would take the pressure off financially and, and I knew would make my, my wife happy, and uh, or do I stay on the ministry track, which would continue at that point uh, to be difficult. And, um, you know, I chose just the way that it, that it ended up, um, chose to get back into the corporate world. And and uh, for any of you men that are listening, know what, know what the corporate world's like working in, a, in an IT uh, area um, with deadlines and, and constant um, on-call and and um available you know you need to be available for different things and it just you just kind of get get in the routine and you, you just kind of get lulled into this this pattern of you know get up go to work come home and and uh you know just do the next thing and i think so many guys just um they just lose their edge they just uh you know we just get dulled you know to the to the day daily routines and that happened to me and over a period of time, some other things had happened in my family. You know, my kids at that point were probably middle school age uh, or entering high school age. And um, it was just kind of a grind, you know. And so I personally had had friends, you know, solid Christian brothers. And I would have my my Christian, you know, face that I would put on when I needed to. And then I would have my work face. And then I would maybe go out with work people, you know, and socialize at, at a local local bar or whatever and would have you know would drink you know to fit in and and uh, feel a part of that that crew and so I was this kind of double-minded man that James talks about and and um and just kind of entered that lukewarm you know Christian um and it just we were going to church off and on but we weren't really plugged in at that that time uh, the church that we'd been going to went through a split and it was just difficult to get reconnected and plugged in and so a lot of these factors uh, resulted in me really just um, getting further and further away from God. And it was over a period of about um, about nine years. Um, so it wasn't something that happened overnight, which uh, we've all, all heard the analogy of you, if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water or in a pot of water and then gradually turn the heat up, you know, before you know it, you know, he's, you're, you're done dealing. And that's kind of what happened to me, uh, which culminated in 2000, July, into July of 2008, I just got to the point where I lost hope. And um, 
you know, even as a, a man who had, you know, who had gone through all the, all the training and had been, you know, so connected and, and, uh, here I was disconnected and lonely and frustrated. And, um, you know, my marriage was suffering. I was drinking more and it had become a problem in my, my life and my, my relationships and my, with my, my wife and, and family. And it was just a problem. And, and I was just trying to find peace. I was trying to escape, you know, according to the world's uh, way of doing things versus God's way of doing things. And there's a number of, of things that happened, you know, in my family that just a lot of difficult things happened during that time um, that also contributed to that. But I, I remember reaching out to some of the same guys that I had connected with um, 10 years earlier and had been meeting with regularly. And I said, guys, you know, would you have time to meet? So, so even in my darkest time, God was, you know, urging me and prompting me to reach out. And thankfully, um, because of that foundation that was there, I had some brothers that I could connect with. And, um, and so in the end of July, 2008, again, I had, had gotten uh, drunk and, and was mad at, you know, my wife and, uh, the business that we had purchased at the time was not doing well. The economy was starting to, to tank. And, uh, when I just had lost hope and felt that, you know, everybody'd be better off without me. So I, you know, in a feeble attempt and a cry for help, just, uh, pulled my truck in this garage we had in, in, in my business and turned it on. And I had previously called these, these brothers of mine and said, guys, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. I just, uh, it's just too, too much. And, um, so they had called my wife and she came down and, and, uh, I don't think it ever would have, you know, I would have died, but, you know, it was just, again, it was for me looking back on it now, it was just, how can a man get to the point where he loses that loses hope to that point? Um, knowing what, you know, and so where none of us are immune to, uh, depression or despair or hopelessness, if we uh, aren't engaged and continue to, to stay connected. And so that's what I really encourage men, you know, to do. And I know Pat Morley, the founder of man in the mirror, uh, met with thousands of men over the years. And I remember him saying or reading in a book that he writ, wrote, had written, um, he asked two questions, you know, to, to men when he meets with them, he said, are you, cons- are you spending consistent time in the word with God and you are, are you involved in at least uh, a consistent relationship with at least one other man in your life? And those two key components are necessary um, in a man's life to be able to continue to, to grow and, and move forward and, and, um, and, and uh, be, be again, the man that, that, that God has called us to be. And so I lived that out. I experienced that life of years, a few years without that and where, you know, where we can get off track. And, um, and so by God's grace, about a week later in actually on my anniversary, uh, August 2nd in 2008, I was, um, had invited my wife out to dinner and she agreed to go, but we didn't say hardly a word or two. And, and, uh, I just remember coming home and for the first time thought about separating and looking for apartments. And, uh, I was on the computer looking for apartments in the area and, you know, I just didn't know what to do. Again, I was lost and just felt a sense of hopelessness. And, uh, 
and believe it or not, there was a, a pastor on the on the TV who I don't agree with theologically, but at the time, God will use whatever he has to use to reach us uh, right where we're at. And this message, you know, just was no matter where you're at, how difficult life is, if you praise God and thank God through your difficult times, you know, he's there for you. And, you know, it was just that, you know, hitting bottom or, or whatever term you want to you want to use. Um, but it really, it's just a step of repentance. And through the Holy Spirit, it was like an instant shot of hope um, that happened. And I'm just in tears and, and just broken. And, um, you know, that, that those two steps of, of turning around and repenting and, and turning back towards God uh, happened that, that night. And I looked at my wife and told her it was going to be okay. And, and uh, she kind of looked at me like, yeah, whatever. Uh, she's heard that before. And, and uh, yet God, uh, God did. He, um, over a period of two years, I just, I, I reached out to some of the same men and same brothers that I had been connected with in ministry, you know, 10 years, 12 years before, and I uh, just told them the story, told them my story and told them what God did and told them that I, you know, needed to get plugged back in and needed help. And, and, um, that began the restoration process and then, um, was asked to, to, uh, consider getting plugged back into regional ministry, uh, back in 2010. And I just, I, it just took me, I was kind of in shock because I said, how could God use, use me again? You know, how could God use a man that's, you know, basically turned away and got so far away? How could he use me again? And, and it reminds me of uh, Sage Faith, uh, hearing your story. And I really appreciate your honesty and transparency. You listeners of this podcast today, uh, it's important. A man yeah. can't give away what he hasn't experienced in himself. But yeah. for a guy who's been hurting and or drifting, the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Yes. And that's exactly uh, my friend Clark Osborne has experienced. You're listening to The Intention Away with Coach K. We're going to pick up with this story with Clark Osborne from Omaha, Nebraska momentarily. But uh, we're just so grateful that the Christian life is a series of new beginnings for you as well. And so maybe today uh, you're looking for that time to make a spiritual comeback. You're longing to know, can God even touch your life and use you again? Yes, retain that hope that's there. God certainly wants to meet you at your point of need. We'll pick back up with this story momentarily. Welcome back to the podcast, Intention Away with Coach K. My special guest today, Clark Osborne. We've been talking about a chapter in his life where he Drifted away from God as a man, though he was heavily involved in one of the greatest uh, movements uh, that we've seen in mo the modern era. It shows that all of us are vulnerable to attacks of the evil one. Well, about five years later, after that spiritual comeback, I began to cross paths with guys like Clark Osborne and was certainly appreciative to see him in 2013 in Orlando, Florida. And we had a chance to go out to uh, Nebraska in uh, 2014 and speak at Iron Sharpens Iron, where we were talking about Promise Keepers earlier. Uh, Brian Doyle, who is one of those regional directors for Promise Keepers, he and Chuck Stecker and many others that are still involved in men's discipleship, they also had their roots in the PK movement. And so Brian has started these one-day equipping conferences, and uh, Clark was uh, one of the guys that were hosting those, much like he did the, the regional gatherings for 
Promise Keepers. It was our privilege to, to travel out and be a keynote speaker. Gene Gets. Wow, Clark, man, you really set the table for us. That'd be like me uh, as a high school coach coming alongside a coaching clinic with, with Tom Osborne. <laughs> the, the intimidation factor was so strong, but I well remember Gene Getz was so gracious, and it was an honor and a privilege to share that platform on that particular day in 2014. You've obviously been involved with multiple years with the ISI. Let, let's transition now into uh, that comeback brought you into that leadership role once again. You were going through a transition from one regional ministry uh, to the next in 2014. So we were able to step in your foxhole uh, while we were out there. In fact, that's one of my favorite memories of that trip was not just getting a chance to speak alongside uh, Gene Getz, one of my heroes of the faith, the author of A Measure of Man, but also to uh, go out to a Mexican restaurant on that Saturday evening after the conference and really kind of do a drill down of what the next step was for you. God obviously led you into a different direction. Our good friend Keith Boggs was with us. He was my roommate that weekend. We were intentional and in asking you to say, hey, don't give me a solo room now. Uh, let me have somebody I can have some ministry hanging out with. So a memorable weekend with Keith as well. So you've transitioned now into Real Momentum Ministries. Uh, let's talk about as you host these uh, ISI gatherings. It was our privilege to be there again this year in 2018 and share the platform with Ricky Jenkins out of Chicago, one of one of the former NFL players on the speaking tour. So let's talk about ISI and uh, your transition into real momentum as God continues that comeback story in your life. Yeah. So again, after a, a couple years of um, just kind of retraining, you know, using the analogy we talked about earlier, just getting back in the, uh, the spiritual gym, so to speak, and just uh, getting back involved and plugging in God, uh, led me back into the, the regional ministry arena and as a, just again, a, a volunteer, uh, initially, but, uh, was challenged to, um, consider full-time ministry, vocational ministry. And, uh, that transition happened in November of 2011. And then, um, as you said, we, we transitioned from one regional ministry it was kind of uncertain as to where God was leading. And, um, um, just kind of a difficult time. And I remember one man just saying, just press into God and, uh, and get into his word and just really challenged me to really seek God. And, um, had met Keith Boggs at a, uh, Iron Sharpens Iron National meeting in 2013, August of 2013. And, and we just really connected and shared our stories and, uh, just really hurt his heart of, and, uh, his, you know, the kind of some of the pain that he went through, um, as a pastor of a church and, uh, how he felt, how God led him from, uh, from that into uh, through his own experience and own story and, and just gave him the understanding of how important it is to um, help men understand, you know, who they are and how God created them and, and um, why it's important to, uh, to disciple men. So we just shared our, our stories and, and um, uh, Keith had asked me to consider coming on staff with Real Momentum and back in October of 2014, that happened. And, and, um, so it's uh, it's been a, a great uh, fit for me personally. Even though I sometimes feel like I'm on the uh, on the outpost here in the Midwest, and uh, Keith's out down in Atlanta, and our board obviously is down in, down in that area of the country. Um, uh, we we stay connected, and, and uh, God has done some neat things through the Iron Sharpens Iron ministry here in Omaha. Keith has come up with uh, several times, even. Several of our board members and men uh, rented an RV and drove up uh, from from Atlanta, Georgia, for the following year conference uh, the, uh, in 2015. And um, 
it's just really an indication of the support and encouragement and how important it is in ministry to have that uh, a team of men uh, behind you know you and, and praying for you and believing in you and supporting you and encouraging you as as a as a man and as a leader. Um, so just really have felt that throughout uh, my time with Real Momentum and just really appreciate Keith and his leadership and um, just his heart. He's just, again, a humble man who uh, just, you know, wants to honor God in everything he does. And, uh, and uh, specifically that's, that's reaching men. Well, you and I have an affinity for college football and Keith does as well with his Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. You guys have a unique uh, uh, commonality. Uh, with the love of the outdoors, and that's obviously big in the Midwest. You just got yes. finished having a uh, a recent ministry trip. So talk about that arm of Real Momentum and some things you guys do, as our friends at Man in the Mirror have said, give a man what he needs in the context of what he wants. And you guys really, you're very intentional in utilizing the outdoors. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, well, it's just a neat story. I mean, I remember, you know, back in my 20s, I've been an outdoorsman. My, my dad, you know, took me deer hunting when I was 10 and, and grew up kind of with, with the outdoors and, and fishing and hunting and, and shooting sports and different things. And, and, uh, so I remember saying, God, man, if I could find a way to combine ministry with, uh, with the outdoors in some way, that would just be incredible. And of course, here, you know, almost 30 years later, um, Keith is telling me about this pastor in Kentucky that had this, this vision to minister to pastors through the outdoors. And, um, and so Dennis Wilder um, is on staff with Real Momentum as well, and he coordinates the Pastors in the Outdoors ministry um, as an initiative through through Real Momentum. And that's uh, entering our finishing our third year, entering our fourth year of that ministry. And so I just thought, what? Wow, that's incredible! You know that that God had had brought this about from you know uh, through Keith and then from a brother in Kentucky. And so. I just started, we just started talking about it. Well, what could we do here in, in the Midwest? And um, um, through a, a niece and nephew who lived on a 15,000 acre ranch in North central Nebraska, um, he had reached out to me prior to this even. God had been, you know, ahead of us the whole time and just opening these doors um, with his, his perfect timing. And it just so happened that, that, that we were able to get access to that that beautiful ranch and um, have been able to take uh, four pastors the last three years uh, on a rifle deer hunt. And uh, uh, then God also has opened some doors in South Dakota through a, a friend of mine and ministry supporter to do a, a pheasant hunt in South Dakota. And um, so there's several hunts throughout the year, almost every month of the year that a pastor could, could take part in. There's also fishing trips. They do a deep sea fishing trip out of Destin, Florida, there's a bass fishing trip in Lake Okeechobee and just different experiences and opportunities. And again, uh, this is something that um, these particular pastors, and in fact, these are for these uh, retreats are for senior pastors because there's a unique calling and, and, uh, and pressure and load that a senior pastor carries. And, um, and just the, to see the interaction and the connection that takes place in those three to four days uh, has been amazing, and there's um, just t- testimony after testimony of of how God has has used this retreat, this pastors in the outdoors retreat throughout the year. Um, when when things are tough, they they recall the time uh, watching the sunrise and and uh, just being in God's creation that just refueled them and recharged them. And um, 
and again, just the relationships that we still stay in touch with. And a couple of the pastors um, came back um, a second time. Some of their men had sponsored them to come back and take part in it again because they saw um, the value in, in taking that time, which is difficult to do uh, as a senior pastor, but just the, the value of just, just being able to recharge and reconnect with, uh, with God through, through the outdoors. I remember in 2014 when we came to Omaha to be a speaker at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference with uh, Gene Getz. We've already mentioned that mm-hmm. to our listeners. That uh, one of the uh, seminar speakers that had an outdoorsman ministry, mm-hmm. and you were very uh, struck by his analogy, if I remember the story correctly, about barbed wire and animals and how that mm-hmm. really applied to how men are trapped. You remember that particular story? Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, there's a there's a gentleman by the name of Terry Baxter who had, had been a pastor and now um, has a ministry um, called Global Compassion Network. I believe it's uh, out of Iowa. And um, Terry's been an, he's an outdoorsman, has, has spoken at an outdoor retreat, um, sportsman's retreat that's, that's in Iowa every year at the end of March. But um, Terry shot a deer with his uh, bow, archery, buck and um it had got its antlers wrapped in this barbed wire fence at some point and could not you know it was just stuck and, and just was thrashing around and, and this barbed wire had gotten wrapped around in the horns and uh it was it was a lot of i don't know how many feet uh got eventually got wrapped up and he was able to break free at some point but this buck was walking around with this this barbed wire uh, just just entangled in his, in, in, and it hindered him, obviously, as, and uh, I'm not sure that that buck would have been able to survive if Terry hadn't, um, hadn't been able to harvest it. But one of the unique things was, is Terry prayed, God, you know, if it's your will, would you, you know, would, would you put a trophy buck in front of me this year? Well, initially, Terry wasn't real thrilled. Um, you know, the buck was nice, but it wasn't necessarily what we would consider as a hunter a trophy, but it was a trophy that God would use to create this, this story and testimony and analogy of that he called the sin wire buck and how we as men can get just entangled in our, in, in bondage and sin in our lives. And, um, and uh, so God used that experience in Terry's life. And with that, that animal to impact, uh, you know, hundreds if not thousands of men through that story. And he actually got the, uh, the deer mounted, and recently just um, donated it to an outdoor, another outdoor ministry um, where it's on display. Um, but he printed that story, the Sin Wire Buck. And um, again, it just talks about how we as men can get, get off track and get entangled in things that we shouldn't be. And it hinders us from being who we are, are called to be. Men are visual learners, and uh, we use a lot of athletic illustrations because of our coaching background. Yeah. I like to bring in uh, military parallels. This is the 75th anniversary of D-Day in 2019, yeah. so really the theme of, of our in- involvement with the Intentional Way on our speaking tour will be advancing the battle and uh, looking forward to being at Iron Sharpens Iron in Chattanooga in March. And uh, But I just uh, I was struck by that story, not being an outdoorsman, that wasn't part of my DNA, but I really could relate to, uh, I could tell how it impacted you personally as you told me this story, yeah. and then to be there in 2014. Well, one of the highlights of this past year was to be in Omaha, Nebraska, a uh, suburb of Bellevue, actually, and uh, to join Ricky Jenkins, a former NFL Wait. player. Uh, give a recap of that day and how it impacted men, 
And then also, uh, what has God been doing since then? What have been some ripple effects? What are some God stories that are coming out of that effort in March? Yeah, well, um, Ray McElroy played with the Chicago Bears and um, uh, had been a chaplain and still is really engaged in the uh, in the Chicago area. Um, I had not, I, I obviously knew you and had a relationship with you, but Ray came in and, and was the other keynote speaker. And we just really, I remember specifically just personal, on a personal level, just connecting uh, with you and Ray beforehand and just being able to pray together. And uh, one thing that I, that I'll just say at a high level is prayer is so key in every aspect of our lives, but specifically when you're in, in men's ministry to men and men's discipleship and in ministry is just to not only yourself to have a quality prayer life, but just to invite others to join you in praying and, um, praying for for your ministry and for your family and and um so because of that i believe that um god has just really uniquely um blessed each year now it's be the 12th year here in omaha that we've had the iron sharpens iron conference and i've been involved in the last seven or so uh directly and i've just there's so many stories and so many stories that i don't hear about i there are stories that i know that how god has used um you know, the Iron Sharpens Iron conferences and just the individual seminars and, and things. And I hear, you know, stories here and here and there. But I think this year is just really what God is doing in our city. We've been meeting with a group of men and praying specifically for God to move in our city. And, and what can we do uh, to expand and to help uh, provide opportunities for, for men's discipleship? And um, and specifically, we, we believe, as, as Robert Lewis believes, that, that the church is still uniquely positioned in our culture for a man building revolution and how important it is and how much we need that. And, um, that's, uh, that's another tool that, that I would recommend is, uh, uh, going to the real momentum app and listening to the gathering storm by Robert Lewis. That message has, has, um, been really impactful and, uh, really opened the doors for what we're seeing God do here in the area, uh, through, um, through men's discipleship and some of the churches that, that weren't um, really uh, engaged in doing that much now are offering um, men's fraternity and some other uh, options for men uh, in several different churches throughout the region. And so I think it's just really, for me, sometimes not seeing, being able to see directly or hear a lot of stories, but over time just staying with it, staying, you know, uh, staying the course, so to speak, or just... Um, continuing to be there to stand in the gap for for men and um to assist the local churches in our area and to continue to offer them a quality um event that will provide them with resources that they may uh may or may not hear on a sunday morning it's really uh, more of an equipping and training conference rather than an exhortative conference even though that's a part of it um that's what i i see over the, the last seven years is just building on each year uh strengthening um, uh, churches and uh, men's leaders through through being able to offer um, the opportunity for, to hear from men like yourself and, and others that come to town and, and um, just really care about men and, and just really, you know, speak from the heart and share, you know, you, you all share your lives with them and share stories and, and expertise. And, you know, I consider, you know, Coach, you're, your knowledge and expertise is one of the top men's discipleship leaders in the nation. And so I, that's why we've, we've had you back in Omaha and why we continue to, 
to want to have you back in the future and would encourage anyone that's listening to to invite you to come to uh to their area their region and um hear what you have to say about how to how to effectively reach and disciple men well you've been a great friend since 2013 uh really have enjoyed your kingdom networking opportunities we've been in orlando together uh locking <laughs> arms we've been in des moines iowa locking arms obviously in omaha nebraska uh, we're not at the same time in Atlanta, Georgia with our friend Keith Boggs, but yeah. we do have the uh, uh, connection there. And I've always uh, uh, valued that greatly and uh, appreciated uh, you getting to know people that I introduced to you and, and then vice versa because it's got to be about the kingdom of God. We've got to be uh, Christocentric, as someone has said, yes. not just churchocentric as far as looking at our own campus and, and what's transpiring there. That makes it a very small world, but God's vision is for us to lock these arms. And I, I would say the same thing. I had a chance to meet some of those, uh, those leaders that had a, a heart to reach your city. And uh, God's been mm-hmm. doing some neat things. I've enjoyed watching the, uh, the post occasionally, uh, talking to you on a regular basis. And so we're excited about where God is taking uh, this as we, uh, as we move forward. What about uh, Iron Sharpens Iron in 2019? Maybe a listener in the Midwest who might consider coming to Omaha uh, let us know about the dates, and uh, I believe Keith's going to be coming this year to speak, one of the keynotes. Yes, uh, March Saturday, March 2nd, and again, the, the model for the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, it's a one-day conference from 8.30 to 4.55, and again, that's intentional, so that we want to honor a man's time and uh, help him maximize the time that, uh, that he does spend with us, and so uh, there's a morning keynote and an afternoon keynote speaker, and uh, so this year we've got uh, Kelvin Cochran, who was the fire chief in Atlanta, Georgia, that had lost his job because he was proclaiming the gospel and and had written a book and uh, got fired from uh, the city of Atlanta. And then um, recently just um, uh, was able to um, go through the legal process and, and, and get uh, get things worked out. And so he is on the, uh, he's, he's on this, has spoken in, in many different communities around the country, just talking about, why it's important to continue to stand up and um, proclaim Jesus in the in the community and our in our market in the marketplace, and uh, uh, we should not be you know uh, silenced as believers. We should still be able to uh, even more now than ever talk about our own personal faith. And so I'm excited to hear his more of his story and have him interact with the man. And of course, Keith has just um, been engaged in the in the battle for for men's souls now for the last uh, six years or so. And then with his background as a pastor, he has a unique perspective as well um, to share with the men and just really is uh, has a heart uh, and just a passion to, to help men win in their relationship with God, uh, our families and our communities and in our churches. So uh, we're excited to have, have those two keynote speakers. And then we have several other um, seminar presenters coming in from around the country. And that's also what's unique about Iron Sharpens Iron is you can have a regional local ministry, uh, but bring in national uh, speakers um, that have specific ministries um, that help men uh, in specific areas that um, I think of Herb Reese who's coming in a new commandment ministries that has a, a ministry and encourages churches to develop a ministry to um, single moms and widows. And it's just a unique thing that, uh, that, that uh, he's going to be speaking about. And um, uh, Proven Men is another ministry um, that, that deals with sexual purity. Uh, they'll be coming in and, 
and in, in just uh, uh, several others, uh, Every Man a Warrior will be represented again. Um, they have a great um, discipling ma uh, material and approach. Um, so we're excited about what God's going to do on March 2nd and just would encourage anyone in the Midwest to uh, to reach out. You can go to um, ironsharpensiron.net or realmomentum.com, and there's a link to request an informational packet and uh, start rallying your men, um, talking about them. The personal invite is the best way. Uh, it's still the best way to engage men and, and invite them to come with you. And so we just encourage you to do that and join us on March 2nd. That same day, I'll be in Chattanooga, Tennessee with Brian Carter, who's involved with the 33 series, the modern version of the Authentic Manhood mm -hmm. uh, series that you're going through the classic version with uh, Robert Lewis. And so to be in Montana with Robert Lewis, to be in Omaha with Gene Getz, uh, to be in Chattanooga previously with Ricky Jenkins, with Ray McElroy and Gene Getz in Omaha ourselves. The, these guys that you cross paths with are authors, pastors, speakers, and then these workshop leaders, many of them also are keynote level uh, yes. presenters. And so uh, encourage you guys to take advantage. There's uh, ISI conferences, Iron Sharpens Iron, all across America. And so take advantage of those, and we'll help you uh, follow up with those uh, um, websites that we're mentioning. Uh, it's interesting. We talked about uh, Keith Boggs as we wrap this up, uh, our podcast today. He was our very first guest as we began the uh, Intentional Way with Coach K. And so now Clark is our last guest for the year 2018. I want to set those guys up as bookends. I've known Clark the longest, but uh, our, our special connection uh, and also being there in March to speak, I want to kind of get the ripple effects coming out of it with a citywide ministry focus and, and what God is up to. The host church, I would also say, would be a tremendous highlight. Those guys definitely you know, are getting it right in Bellevue, and so we're excited about your future endeavors there. Well, Clark Osborne, it's been an honor to have you join us today on the podcast. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how God will continually work in and through your life. I trust you listeners had a chance to think about these various episodes, the highs and the lows, because you see inside of every leader is a man. And so we long for you guys to see a humble spirit and a teachable spirit. So, Clark, I appreciate you as a friend. I appreciate you as a networker. And, and also your partnership with uh, The Intentional Way. You've been with us from day one in, in tangible ways uh, through your prayers and support. And so I just want to say how much we appreciate that as well as others who are participating with us. This is our last podcast of 2018. We would remind you of our end-of-year offering that you may want to choose us or other good ministries, uh, like Real Momentum or Iron Sharpens Iron. God needs all of us locking arms in this battle for men's souls. Well, thanks again for joining us for another edition of Insights on Intentionality. We look forward to the new year and new guests and we're providing other occasions of sharing additional insights. Be reminded of Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity. And remember this, most people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. This is Coach K. We look forward to joining you next time on the Intentional Way with Coach Kate.